still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Tom, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's, um, it's, it's a tough time to be a Bath fan um, and particularly a, um, a Bath supporting Englishman over the weekend. Pretty torrid weekend of, of, of rugby, um, but back with you boys as ever. Um, and we go again. Yeah, and Charlie, I've been told this week that the introduction I do, introducing Tom as my good friend and fellow Bath fan, and then just introducing you as kind of the culprit for all of Bath's failures, suggests that either you're not a Bath fan, which would be odd being on the bathroom plug, or you're not my good friend. (laughs) (laughs) To clarify, I'm also joined by my good, very good friend and also a fellow Bath fan, Charlie. Thank you. I'm glad I can finally wear that badge with honour, Gabriel. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was just about to say, uh, I mean, most people who tune into this podcast could probably just skip forward through the first couple of minutes because all it's going to be is, yeah, it's a bit tough being a bath man. <laughs> you know, yeah, we're back here for a bit of therapy, the same old sort of spiel. But yeah, unfortunately, things haven't changed. Uh, whether that is my fault or not, um, I'm not sure. I mean, there's only one way to find out, and that's, you know, giving me a couple of weeks off. Um, probably uh, it's best to try that around some time when we're playing Gloucester or something like that because it's uh, like a team for us at the moment yeah that is that is uh, kind of after this weekend sale which we're going to come on to on this podcast then it is Gloucester at home so um, Charlie we, me and Tom have got a decision a podcast and a, and a Bath rugby decision to make on your selection but <laughs> yeah, we'll let you know we'll let you know in due course uh, we're going to talk about that sale game, guys. Uh, we're also going to talk about the defeat to Harlequins. Uh, we are coming to you, this podcast, obviously, a little bit later than usual. Maybe some of you thought that we ditched it. It got too thin for us um, and we ditched the podcast. But no, a couple of logistical issues meant that we are still here through thick and thin. Um, and I think that Quins game, guys, just to get into it, there are some other bits of news um, as well that we're going to get into in the middle of the podcast. But let's get into the Quinns game, Tom. And I think we were speaking a little bit before we hit record about how long ago it seemed like that Quinns game was, not just because it was it's Wednesday night as we record and we usually record on a Monday, but also, as you suggested, Charlie, we've all watched so much rugby kind of since then as well with the internationals and everything that it does feel like a long time ago, Tom. What were your overall takeaways from that Quinns game uh, looking back on it? I think we... Um... You know, we really lost the game in that that first half an hour. Um, I think you know we went into it saying it's a must-win game. Um, yes, we had five straight defeats previous uh, previous to that, um, and Quinns have obviously you know not been on a great run um, prior to, to to Gustard having having departed. But, you know, when I when I saw the team, um, I know Charlie, you you kind of thought the same as me that my my confidence kind of evaporated a little bit. Um, you know, it was a very, very young side, um, you know, nine homegrown players in the 23, um, but, uh, you know, a couple of, of debutants in um, Ethan Stadden um, and um, uh, Ewan Richards, I think, as well, um, you know, against a full strength Quinns, Quinns team um, who, you know, as I say, have been, have been resurgent in the last week. Um, and yeah, uh, a big moment before the, the match itself, massive moment, mm. boys, losing Josh McNally, um, our captain, our line-out caller, one of our most experienced uh, players at, at this. Our only real second row. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe I don't know what you always think. Maybe you know there probably wouldn't have been anyone worse. Maybe with the possible exception of of Ben Spencer um, to, to to lose prior to the game. So massive blow that was. Yeah, it was a huge blow. But um, Joy, did you think that that obviously it was a blow? But do you think with McNally, as great as he's been this season, that would have had such a great impact that would have changed the result. I think kind of the way we played throughout the 80 minutes and particularly those first 40 minutes meant that with McNally or no McNally, we had no chance on on Saturday. Well, no, I, I, I think we definitely had a chance, Gabriel. I mean, I, I, I hopped off uh, the end of the last podcast before I gave my proper prediction, but you did, you did call out. I, I just had a feeling that Bath might have 
might have pulled it together and, and sort of uh, turned the ship around, which I did feel we started to do, you know, in that second half. And I felt like had the game kind of gone on for another for another 20 minutes, then, then no, no, you get a game gone on for another 20 minutes. So the tides were turning and that could have been, but as Tom pointed out, we lost the game in the first, in the first half an hour. I mean, it was, we, we scored that early penalty, but after that it was, it was five unanswered scores um, in, you know, in, in, in 20 odd minutes, which, you know, you're never going to win a game if that happens. And I, it's happened a couple of times. We've, we've spoken on, in past podcasts about boys, heads just dropping as soon as things start to go uh, against them and it just seems to just the floodgates open and mm-hmm. and, and the game gets lost in a, in a, in, a, in a short spell which uh, which appeared to happen then again and you know it's 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 all it's all too late if you if if you're trying to catch the game in 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 the last mm-hmm. 20 in the last 20 minutes which which we, we were doing but there's time on the clock for a reason and it's ahead with the fact that these things are going to win the game yeah I was going to say I think it was almost the reverse like of, of what we've seen in, in previous games like you look at the Wasps game you look at the Leicester game and we're two scores up we're starting well we're looking quite sharp even Bristol kind of the very early stages of that game we're looking fairly sharp and then we give our um, our lead away and whether it's not we're not fit enough whether we can't close out the game whereas this felt like the reverse a little bit you know um, 21-3 down after 29 minutes at home, uh, mindless penalties at times in our own half, allowing you know Smith to take points and a couple of easy, easy tries, um, and then coming on stronger towards the end. Um, so I don't know what, what 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 the difference was there. Yeah, I think what you kind of both are saying is that there's there's often a period in the game when playing when watching Bath. It, where, where it kind of all unravels and whether that be in the, the second quarter, whether that be in the second half or whether that kind of be in the, the, the right at the start of the game, kind of after that initial penalty that we got, Charlie, is, is what you're saying. It just all seems to unravel way too quickly and we just concede points way too quickly in short spells and, and that's kind of compounded at times by by ill-discipline and yellow cards but I think in this case the, the yellow cards came later on and the game was almost done when when Matavesi and, and Rocco Laguni got the yellow cards and it, and it seems like we just don't have the ability to kind of just take some time out of the game when when, when the good teams concede a try and then a penalty and the, the tide kind of starts to feel like it's slipping they just take time out of the game put their foot on it a bit and just calm the game down. And I just don't think we've got that ability. Once it starts to go wrong for Bath, I think it just all unravels way too quickly. And I think yeah. of that is, is just this, what appears to me, particularly in the forwards at the moment, it's just a, a real lack of leadership. And, and I think losing McNally was a huge part of that. But I think, as I said, even with McNally, and we've seen with McNally, that, 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 that it can all unravel way too quickly, Charlie. And we saw that again against Harlequins it just happened to be you know right at the start of the game and Bath fans were going to put out their misery well yeah I mean yeah, yeah. You, you make a strong point Gabriel I mean this wasn't the only game at the weekend where it felt like there was a lack of leadership an inability to think on your feet um, uh, this is perhaps stemming down from the national team let's blame it all let's blame it all on Owen Farrell um, uh, but I, I, I you know exactly there's that, there's that period there's that period in, in almost every single bath game where yeah, we're not able to think on our feet we we end up playing in the wrong areas of the field um, and you know the, the, that first try that came from Alex Dombrandt was uh, it, it came from turnover ball. We were sort of playing in our own half, thinking you know, probably should have kicked the previous phase, and you know let's 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 play down their end of the field, uh, take some pressure off us. But then yeah, there's a there's a there's a scrappy ruck. They turn the ball over, um, and yeah, it's 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 loose. Loose. They've got you know exciting players. Uh, Louis Liner, Danny Kerr seems to have found a new vein of form. Marcus Smith, Joe Marchand. They kind of all linked up together, and they they, they put in a nice score. But um, uh, yeah, it's you just need someone who can who can who can just pull some players to one side, and there's breaking play or a line out. Just get in a huddle and say, right, let's just, let's keep this together, boys. Um, slow it down a bit. Mm. I think we I think that's a good point you make, Jay, about the the like the the game management and kind of slowing the game down and almost having you know having that that missing missing kind of piece of the puzzle. I think a lot if we look at the success we had last season, a lot of people were saying at that point, you know, Ben Spencer's come in, he is the guy that 
that will do that. He's the guy that will control mm. the pace of the game. He'll box kick really effectively. He's a leader. Um, he's you know he's been in in, in Saracen's environment, which is really successful and knows how to win. Um, and I think last season a lot of people were saying he he was he has come in and he's um, you know he's he, he's basically joined up the backs and forwards. He's he's that exact link that has galvanised all the talent that that we know we've got. And it, I don't know what you think as you know the, the resident scrum half, but it seems like he. I don't know whether whether it's whether it's him or whether it's the guys around him, but it seems like he's not quite mm. in as good a form as as um, as he showed um, as he showed last season for sure. Mm. Um, and I think as well, and you won't like me for saying this, Chief. Mm. I think as well when Will Chudley <laughs> when Will Chudley came on in this particular game, um, and this first and probably last time I'll say this, I think he added something that that that, that Ben Spencer um, mm. that was missing from Ben Spencer in the game. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even, you know. But what about the first point? You know, the first point. I, I think there's a lot of talk everywhere about this this virus, the coronavirus, going around. I think amongst Bath fans, there should be more talk about the Bath virus. It seems that these guys come in <laughs> to the team, you know, energized, looking really strong. We saw it at the end of the game. I'm sure we're going to come on to with Tian Schumann and Will Muir. Yeah. But after a couple of weeks, three or four weeks at the club, they catch this virus of mediocrity. And it seems like Ben Spencer's caught that virus. And to a certain extent, Roy McConaughey has now caught that virus. It's has caught that virus. It's mad. I don't know what it is. There should be more, there should be daily press releases about this from Stuart Hoover. It's, it's, it's a new variant. Perhaps we should stop all travel in and out of the West Country. Well, <laughs> it's I'm funny though, because it's it's not made it. Wait. <laughs> It's not made its way down to Exeter or Bristol. <laughs> well, maybe it has very made its way to Bristol, actually. <laughs> very, very concentrated. It's come from Gloucester, I think, by the looks of things, the way that... Yeah, they perhaps... I mean, no, there were signs that perhaps it has made its way across to Bristol this weekend. Uh, perhaps, that, perhaps that encounter with Bath the previous weekend, um, uh, you know, too much close contact. Um, yeah, I well, there wasn't there wasn't much close contact from from some of those Bristol backs against the Bath guys. I'm sure Sammy Randrando uh, didn't manage to catch the virus off Jonathan Tuesday. That's, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I, sorry, Tom. I, sorry, Tom. Uh, before you come again, I know you were making a serious point there, Tom, and I do think it's it's a very valid point. And 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 whilst I think the the Chudley um, point may be on Saturday, maybe on Saturday, but. Often we've seen the drop off with Tully, and I do think Ben Spencer is is kind of not playing as well as he was in the lockdown, and just that that kind of change of form, if anything, has had a huge impact on on the difference between I've, that that period and this period. Sorry, Charlie, go on. No, I've I've I, I, I it's because uh, yeah, likewise, it's it's, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, it's it, it's a good point that you raise there, Tom. And mm-hmm. like now that you've said it, perhaps I'm thinking, you know. He was in the absolute form of his life. I mean, every pundit under the sun was saying, if this guy doesn't get a call up from England, then then uh, what's Eddie drinking? Um, so I think perhaps there's knocked his confidence quite a bit. I mean, the boy was playing absolutely out of his skin. I mean, he was he was comfortably the best player in that in a bath shirt. He was put in the in, in the um, team of the season of the Premier Premiership team of the season, uh, and he's done everything in his abilities, and he's he's still not been selected mm. by Eddie. And I think that's perhaps knocked his confidence a bit. Like we've had a quick turnaround. He's 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 then we we come into the start of the season where all of these other England boys, all the other best players in the league, have all gone off and playing in this Autumn Nations Cup, and he's. That around with Bath, and perhaps perhaps that's had a you know a, a bit of a negative impact on him, and perhaps that's the reason why he's 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 not finding his top game. Yeah, maybe. I think I think the big difference. I think it's harsh to pin it on him. I think maybe he suffered a bit of a lack of lack of confidence, not being picked for England and all that. But I think you know in the first part of his his career at Bath back in the last season, the pack was going forward. We were beating up other. Um, other teams, the set piece was very good. Will Stewart rampaging forward and into the um, the England team, as I as I uh, predicted. Um, and uh, but this season has been completely different. You know, underpowered in the second row, like you said, Charlie. No um, established second rows in that um, in that in that outfit. Um, the front row, even when we've had you know Will Stewart and Ben Obama back, hasn't been as potent a force. So I think it's it's clearly much more difficult for a scrum off in in that mm. environment, but. Equally, a player of his quality 
Um, you want to see him him stand up, and I think he'll be he'll be pretty gutted with aspects of his performance. You know, stuff like box kicks, just going straight up and and only going, you know, only find a couple of meters of distance. That's so unlike uh, so unlike Ben Spencer. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sure it'll be I'm sure it'll be rectified. I, I think I, sorry, Chad. I, I think you got a really good point. Actually, I've just looked up. He's 28. Like he's not going to play loads for England like post 30 I wouldn't have thought so it must have had a, a knock on his confidence to see someone like Harry Randall who is considerably younger to him considerably more experienced get that get that nod ahead of him and, and I do think we've seen Tom that that even when the Bath pack was was going backwards he was often the driving force to get that team going and we aren't seeing that so the combination of a deep pack but also I think Charlie you are spot on he does look like a guy that, that kind of has, has, has his confidence has dropped and the, the performance of the team around him has kind of almost sunken him again to to drop his performances that maybe he drop his confidence again that maybe his performances can't can't kind of turn it around but um I I'm 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 not surprised as well. I I don't really understand. Uh, I know this is a, this is a bar grubby plug, but uh, look, I, I don't I don't understand why the boy gets flown in to uh, to play in the World Cup final and then just dropped out of of, of sight. I mean, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's a whole different story. Let's let's keep yeah, on. From ben. I think Ben Spencer, you know, certainly wasn't the reason we we lost um, so comfortably to Quinns on Saturday. So let's kind of stay on point of this Quinns. But yeah, fascinating discussion, I think. And get in touch with us, your thoughts at Bath Rugby Club on socials. On Spotify now as well. On Spotify. Can you get in touch with us on Spotify? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we clearly don't know how to use it. That's why it's taken us about two years to... Uh... <laughs> um, so get in touch with us on Spotify with your thoughts at Ben Spencer. But um, Tom, Ben Spencer or no Ben Spencer, the, the lack of penetration we showed in attack on, on Saturday meant that we were never going to keep pace with, with what looked like quite confident and free-flowing Quinsize. Yeah, well, with one notable exception, I think, and that was um, Tom Dunn um, rampaging bull uh, from the back of that driving mall, shrugged off about uh, you know nine or ten Quinns defenders and, um, and went over. I thought that was... Um, yeah, that's certainly a sight that we love to see on this podcast. I think all, all Buff Rugby fans do. I think, yeah, it, we were always chasing the game at that point, but I do think the response that we showed in, in the last 50 or the last half was, was, was you know, was fairly positive. Um, a couple of kind of really unfortunate yellow cards. And I'm not saying that they they changed the result, but they were they were poorly timed as, you know, I think we were starting to build some momentum. And potentially if the, the Danny Kerr try had gone our way at that point in time, um, we could have made a push to, to mm. you know, in, in, in that last 20 minutes or so. Um, maybe, well, maybe we should stop there and you know talk about those 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 yellow cards. I mean, well, can, the, can I just on. pick up a point on that Tom Dunn try, Tom, before before we move on to those yellow cards? And I think it was a really good finish from Tom Dunn, but it came off the back of a driving mall, uh, and and I think that was on the uh, you know it was just it was just before the forty third minute. Pardon, forty third minute, forty third minute, just after half time. Thank you, Charlie, and I think. You know, I don't have the exact stat to hand, but I think that was probably our first driving mall of the game. Now, I understand that we had no second rows on the pitch. Of course, I understand that. And I think that meant that they were just told every ball comes off the top. And I think that really played into Quinn's hands because Quinn's strength is certainly not in that front five, driving, defending driving malls. And I think it's difficult to say now because... You know, going into the game, you can understand why they would say, let's get it off the top because we've got five back rows on the pitch, we back our pace. But I think sucking more Quinns defenders in with a driving rule that has been effective for us, particularly as we keep banging on about that post-lockdown period. I think maybe looking back in hindsight, Charlie, we could have used that driving rule a little bit more effectively and, and kind of it's been a weapon for us. And despite having no second rows, it may have been a useful weapon. No, I, I I agree with you. That's probably where someone like like McNally probably was uh, yeah. was uh, was was missing. Um, someone you know, captain leader. We said it. Yeah, keep it tight. And uh, I think that's something we we should have we should have tried as a game plan. I would have been interested to uh, to been a fly on the wall in bar change room and understand what the game plan was if there were any last minute changes with McNally dropping out so late. But um, you, you would have hoped that they would have still stuck to the same game plan because mm. 
that I mean, yeah, Quinns want the game to open up. They're, that's 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 the type of team they are. I mean, they talk about this champagne rugby that that, that they're known for, um, and they they you know their sort of culture is about fast and wide rugby, uh, especially now that Gustar's been uh, been showing the door. So uh, yeah, you would have thought that we would have tried to to yeah to stick it mm. out the jumper and, and yeah driving malls, uh pick and goes, but uh, yeah, it, it wasn't to be unfortunately. Well then, Tom, tell us why the, the two yellow cards were the reason we lost and that there is hope. Oh no, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I'd love that, I'd love that to be the case. I, I don't think um, ultimately change the result, but two like two strange decisions. I think particularly um, the Rocket Aguni one for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, is that? the look on his face, and he's an honest guy, he's a stand-up guy, Rocket Gooney, the look on his face of, like, complete bemusement. Um, he, literally, he literally goes to goes to tackle the guy. Um, I I do not for the life of me understand why that's given. And I, um, Was it Maxwell Keyes on the day? I yeah. Think, yeah. yeah. He used an expression I've never heard, and I've watched a lot of rugby, trust me. And he used the, the kind of reasoning that because his shoulder hadn't made contact with the player... It must have been a deliberate knock-on. Uh, is is that in? Is that is it? Have you have you Never boys heard, heard that. that before, or aware of that being a rule? It just seemed to me like he just plucked a reasoning, and then he used it again in later on in the game, kind of to kind of double down and, and make it seem like it was a legitimate thing but I've never ever heard that used and and I completely agree with you Tom it, it did not have any effect on the game and it was penalty advantage anyway to, to Harlequins and they did eventually get, get, get over the line from, from that penalty advantage but yeah a, a crazy decision and and yeah no, it, was, it was yeah it was a bit yeah it was that was it was sort of bemusing and you just thought well you know just think when it rains fun. when it rains it pours Exactly. exactly. I, 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 I as well. I, I maybe you boys can me on the on this one as well, like the 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 Josh Matavesi one as well, because I, I it is a high tackle, and um, you know I, I think if that's in normal, I don't know whether that's a you know a, a penalty or a yellow card. But my I thought that you know there wasn't double jeopardy in that sort of situation, mm. so that when the try is scored in the act of the yellow card, you don't get a yellow card as well. Whereas if it's a penalty try. Um, you get the penalty try and the yellow card. Like we've been, um, we were sort of that with Charlie Yules, I think, in a game earlier in the season. I think so. That, I don't quite understand that ruling. I think that does. I think the the double jeopardy aspect comes into play when you're talking about collapsing and driving more. I'm not sure it's got the same interpretations when when you're talking about the the, the high tackle. But yeah, I I, I thought the matter eighteen was going to be a red for when 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 I first kind of saw the, the slow mos and, and he did mitigate it by saying he he was kind of going towards the ground but um yeah one that i think could have gone could have gone could have could have been well, even more more stricter i thought the yellow was harsh and you thought it should have been red well i didn't think it should have been red but i think that the, the i've seen I, I when i saw it i thought that that, that they could easily make yeah just in the past like when there's a try score they often think oh forget it let's just go back and uh, <laughs> um and play on but um yeah, yeah. as you said when it rains it pours Exactly. A few substitutes um, came on, mm. um, and I think made you know made a real difference. So we mentioned the mighty Will Chudley, um, but I think yeah, we should maybe Charlie for it to you. Um, what did you make of um, Tian Schumann? Uh, well, firstly Tian Schumann um, coming off at, coming on at five half. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I I was actually just about to say, I mean. I wasn't sure how to look at this game. I think straight straight after it, I was a bit deflated. But I did do think there was quite a lot of positives to take from it. Yeah. And the, the, yeah, being that second half performance, which was led by lots of these lots of these players who came on, um, T and Schumann, God, man can clean out a ruck, can't he? Fantastic. <laughs> I was thinking this is so exciting. You know, he comes on the field. What are we going to see from our exciting new fly half? He gets about five, six rucks in a row, just cleaning yeah. them out. <laughs> I thought, great. to see. Yeah. Um, what have we got here? But then he did get the ball in his hands and he was... Uh, yeah, he was he, he was decent. He looked he, he looked good. I mean, there was I mean the, the game turned around in the last twenty, and that was with him pulling the strings at ten. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think he had yeah he he showed a nice nice few touches, some quick hands was uh, distributed a bit wider. I mean, that's what that's what I want to see. I just think you, you've got to hand in hand in the reins. Um, mm. You know, as soon as possible. He's uh, I saw an interview with him earlier saying talking about his his first. Uh, 
his first few weeks in England. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, he uh, he's seen the snow for the first time. He's still adapting to the cold, but he's been he's been in he's been in uh, like quarantine for for you know most of the past few weeks that he's been here. So it's sort of understandable that he was only coming off the bench. I know Gabe, well Gabe, you especially, Tom and I were all calling for him to be to be in that ten shirt ASAP. But um, I think I think you know, now that that period's passed, he'll uh, yeah he'll he'll be given more of a shot to start. Yeah, I, I think he looked really good. I mean, he just kind of took the ball and he just ran ran with it a little bit and kind of took it to the line and injected some pace in that back line. And Reese Priestland, you know, we've we've banged on about Priestland's pros and cons, and we, we've done that. But he just doesn't take the ball and quickly to the line. And, and Schumann just threatened their defence in a way that they hadn't been threatened for the previous sixty minutes. And, and he, he, I just think he added kind of a bit of life to that team. And, and I think. We looked really flat throughout the whole 60 minutes. And when Schumann came on, I really think that changed. And I think the other guy, uh, Tom, who, who really did make a difference was, was Will Muir. You know, I think it was a Dublin racing festival this weekend and I've, I watched uh, quite a bit of racing. But I think my favourite horse uh, uh, that I saw run, running around all day was the horse on Saturday in the blue, black and white, in the blue, black and white colours. Um, yeah, I thought he... No, it's, it's a lazy comparison, but was kind of strong and and agile and quick, like Big Mac and tries. Oh yeah, absolutely. You could you could see the, the similarities. You know, maybe a little bit bit raw and mm. um, well, you know, he, a little bit he, green. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit green. A horse. Hang left, hung know. left, hung left on the running. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I completely agree. Like he he was a, it was a bit of a breath of fresh air, really. He wasn't afraid just to have a go and try and beat defenders. And I think, um, you know, there's there almost seems to be a bit of a, or as we spoke about before, just a lack of confidence to back themselves in in our backline at the moment. And he was just completely different. He thought, I'm gonna, I've got nothing to lose here. No one really expects too much of me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it on. What you love? <laughs> that's that's what I like to see as well. I mean, he he's he's got so much natural talent. Clearly, I mean, lots of these seven boys do. Uh, but yeah, his his sort of deceptive power, like like Big Mac has, in you know he he makes contact, but he's he's he gets this sort of leg pump going, and he was yeah he 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 was making sort of like five ten meters after contact, which is which is which was phenomenal. But he was still steppy. He looked like he had pace, and if you're able to give him a bit of space, then you know, fantastic. Sorry, I know, I know I'm smirking and it's an audio um, audio product, so clearly people can't see me smirking, but all I hope is Tian Schumann plays a bit more rugby so we can get more of that South African accent from Charlie. That's a common feature of the podcast. I still can't get over how bad that was. Um, I, I, could, I think, you know, it's an audio product, like you say. People could, listening could probably hear your brain whirring trying to come up with horse-related jokes. <laughs> So Muir and Schumann, definitely two new guys, which uh, made an impact in that last 20 minutes, Tom. Um, but I think one guy who we are starting to see develop into uh, an integral part of this Bath team and this Bath backline um, was, was not Josh Bayless, who you're showing me on your phone, but was Tom the Glanville, the fullback. Um, scored the, the try late on, which kind of gave us gave us a, a glimmer of getting something from the game. But I thought again, he looked assured and and quick as well. Looked look, look, look like he had a turn of pace, which we've seen in 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 the A League and for uh, Bath under twenties, but haven't seen yet in in the first team. Yeah, he. I mean, he's undoubtedly one of the standouts um, of of the season. Um, he's grown. He's you know he's so mature. He's got such a um, almost Charlie Yules-esque kind of we always say um, kind of an old head on young shoulders he looks so assured and calm and collected at uh, fullback um, doesn't doesn't get flustered and when he gets the ball in hand like you say um, really quick and like a, a properly balanced runner you know that outside a kind of arc he made he made that running look exceptionally easy um, yeah I thought for sure he was he was one of the, the standout guys and I think you know to be fair you talk about kind of green shoots and positives, Charlie. And I, I actually agree with you. And I think some of the some of the efforts in particular from from some of the younger guys was was pretty outstanding. And Josh Bayliss, as I was, you know, just teeing myself up to, to to talk about, to move at late notice into the second row to play the full 80 minutes, um, to be a you know integral part of a lineup that functioned fairly well in the circumstances. 
Um, and to, you know, to, I think he was top tackler on the day as well. Mm. Um, that's a pretty impressive performance. And um, I think we're going to come on to the, you know, the, uh, the members, mm. um, a kind of evening that there was when he was, he was interviewed, but he strikes me as well as like a really impressive um, young man and potentially a bit of a, a bit of a leader in the making. Yeah. I mean, he's led Millfield, obviously his, his school, a successful Millfield Bath side, United and then well. has led Bath United and, and throughout the age group. So definitely that leadership aspect. And I think he's starting to, to show um, a level of consistency in his performance, which, which they will um, undoubtedly be, be happy about and Bath fans, I think, can be hopeful about. Charlie, any other um, kind of green shoots that you saw from this game, particularly in that, in that second half, or uh, have we covered them off there in, in Schumann, Muir, De Glanville and, and Bayless? Yeah, I mean, these these I think were sort of the standouts, but I mean, lots lots of these young guys I think have been actually the sort of yeah the green shoots over mm-hmm. over, over recent weeks. I mean, uh, Miles Reed again is he looks like a like a quality operator. Uh, him in tandem with, uh, with Bayless, they, they they do look like useful mm-hmm. um, useful players to have around in the squad. But uh, yeah, I mean, we we cover them off. Yeah, I, I don't know what your guys' general thoughts are about this game. <laughs> I don't know. I think I came away from from the Bristol game previously, guys, feeling kind of angry and, and frustrated, and and just like, oh, this is just you know. And I don't know if it's worse this week, and but I just feel defeated by this team. Like I just feel like there's nothing left in them, and like I can't really get like watching the game. You know, against Bristol, I was shouting at the telly and I was tearing my hair out. And I don't know whether it's because it was Harlequins and, and kind of there was less of that rivalry aspect to it. Or whether, uh, and kind of last week as well, rugby, or, or whether it's just that, I don't know whether I've got to a level of, of, of acceptance that this is kind of who, the, what this team is going to be this year. And, and kind of in that, are then looking for, for, for those green shoots at the end. I think this was a rubbish performance, guys. Like we've been thoroughly outplayed by yeah. a pretty poor Quinns team. And I just feel almost defeated by this team and, and kind of nothing left in me to, to argue. <laughs> Sorry, acceptance. That's that is the seventh stage of grief, Gabriel. <laughs> you've you've clearly been through you've clearly been through a few since since the previous week. I mean, maybe you've gone through faster than most people do. That seems like one a day, but it sounds. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you think, Tom. I just kind of feel a little bit. I don't know, like this. I just don't feel angry at this performance. I just kind of feel like. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think we've I think we've been too too nice on this podcast. We've looked for things that are there, but they're also in the you know as as as, as Stuart Hooper would say, they're not um, was it globally important um, really in the context of we're consistently getting well beaten by good sides, but also by sides that have, have been struggling um, like Quinns. And I think we we mentioned some of the guys that stood out, and I mentioned effort. I think. To be honest, like there's been a bit, not a lack, I don't want to say a lack of effort, but I think there's there's been a lack of heart shown, I think, particularly in defence. Um, and we saw that again at times, mm, yeah. particularly in the early part. I mean, the Dombrant try, it's so easy. It's just, there's, there's, there's no one kind of sprinting back. They've got four or five players that are up ready to take the offload. There are guys that you just see on the other wing who are trotting back. Um, you know, n- naming names, I think Max Clark, I don't know whether he was, he was, he was unfit mm. or... Um, still struggling a bit with it with a niggle and has, has come in to replace JJ, but he looked, you know, he looked um, a shadow of his former self. And after the game, for him to say, you know, that wasn't a bad performance, we've got a lot to build on, I think is um, probably tells you a little bit about where his mentality's at. Um, it's, it's, What's a bad performance then, Tom? If that's not a bad performance, are we going to get one of them against Sale? Yeah, I, I think when you when you put out a younger side like that there's always the excuse to fall back on and Hooper did it. You can always say, look, we had nine homegrown players in the 23, uh, three debutants or whatever it was, um, guys coming in from, um, you know, Will Muir and Schumann who are, who, are, who are new to the club as well. But I think actually like that, as we said last week, that felt like a must-win game, mm. um, but it never felt like we could win the game. And I think that's what's, that's what's getting a bit, little bit con- concerning because there aren't many teams... Um, worse than Quinns in the league. They're showing a bit of form, but ultimately, you know, over the last, over the last couple of seasons, they've been one of the poorest outfits in the brand. And that was... No, no. And sorry, Charlie, but that was without their best player. 
Now, I'm convinced Marcus Smith passed that HIA and they thought, is it worth it? Nah, leave him off and then give Marcus uh, James Lang, sorry, a, a bit of a run. I, yeah, I. Well, that's probably the best thing that happened. That's probably the best thing that happened to us is that he he only played 20 minutes. But mm. uh, yeah, I mean, I, oh god, that yeah. Uh, anyway, I will. I will get. I won't get distracted into a Marcus Smith uh, rant and how I would honestly it, I would just give him a blank check to get him to Bath honestly he's signed on today Charlie I know uh, yeah. I saw I saw so yeah. anyway it was rubbish um, on Saturday wasn't it Charlie oh yeah look it was yeah I've, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty similar to both you boys I mean I did message you Gabriel after you know well uh, yeah after the final whistle saying should we, should we record a quick a quick pod now uh Tom, you were busy, but like you, you and Tom did uh, the, the previous mm. week, you you decided to pass. Uh, I think there was there was plenty of other rugby to be watching uh, on Saturday, so uh, we were hoping to cheer ourselves up. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think we probably would have come out with some different comments had we recorded something then. But now we've had time to think about it and try to reflect on it. Yeah, I had the same sort of uh, acceptance as as you did. Um, and, yeah, but it, it it wasn't a good performance, and it was it was it was frustrating. Again, coming coming into coming into the final whistle, thinking, yeah, had we had a bit more time, we could have actually won this. We blew mm-hmm. it in, in the opening, the opening minutes. I think a lot of it is falling down to to defence. I mean, you mentioned that that sort of Don Brand try early on, Tom. It, how it was a bit, it was all too easy. It did come from turnover ball, which is when defence is, is going to be at its least organised. So you do have to bear that in mind. But th- there are times where I felt that it's, uh, we're a bit too slow to react. Like some people think, oh, I'm far too, I'm, I'm, I'm far too far away to, to make a difference here. I'm not quite, I'm not going to chase back perhaps as much as I should. And I, 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 I don't know if there's, a, if there's a slight element of that ingrained in, in the team already. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, sorry, it's interesting you say that, Charlie, because what we're going to come on to talk about the the the, the points that came out of uh, the members' evening and, and and kind of what me and Tom what me and Tom attended and Neil Hatley referred to our defence in transition, so off turnover ball, as this season just being nowhere near good enough, and how we conceded a certain number of tries from that, and and kind of how that was a massive drop off from last season and all this, and I, I agree. We, 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 we really struggle in, in kind of reorganising ourselves when we turn the ball over and kind of when we're turning the ball over as much as we are, that's not a great aspect to have for the defence, is it? Should we come on to that members evening? Yeah, I was going to say, should we, should we chat right. about that? I just want to say the last thing, and I, and I just think there was no penetration in attack, there was no organisation in defence and there was just in that first half, you're right. There was just looked like there was no heart and no belief we could win that. And I think you are right, Charlie. We're we're removed, and so we're probably in more jovial spirits than than we would be if we had recorded on Saturday, particularly on Saturday after the England defeat. Um, we were in a lot more critical spirits, and I do think we should go on record as to say that was a rubbish performance. And and if kind of that's the level we're at, then. Um, Serious questions kind yeah. of remain and do need to be answered. Yeah, and, and to put it in context, top fourth in the se- fourth in the table last season, tenth in the table this mm. season, three points off the bottom spot. So <sighs> it's it's a it, derby it, coming up. It, it is. Thank God, thank I was going to say thank God for that win away to London Irish, uh, <laughs> <laughs> where, where we didn't play. Thank God for COVID. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hottest take of the podcast. So. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. Go well, I was going to say, should we, should we just cover off like, a quick... So we've got quite a lot to get through. Yeah, just, there is. Know, quite... the agenda. Yeah, we need to kick, we, along, kick on a bit. At this rate, we'll, um, we'll still be here for the, the sale game on Friday. But So we've got a few points to cover on. I mean, should we, should we and you just say a few mm. things about the members' evening that we've yeah. attended, Connor? Yeah, so uh, um, this was a, 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 a kind of... Interview press conference, I guess, is the right way of of describing it. Like a Zoom meeting to all the people that um, paid the money to have the membership and then have the um, what we thought would be the ability to buy tickets. Uh, Me and Tom were lured in to donate to the club. Yeah, effectively donate to the club. So we did that. Charlie uh, did not because he's a lot smarter than us. He, uh, bastard. He chose to buy a Dyson instead. <laughs> so we, me and Tom, uh, on 
uh, Wednesday evening of last week, so a week today, um, logged into our uh, Zooms to listen to uh, Stuart Hooper, Neil Hatley, Big Mac, Roy McConaughey, um, and Josh Bayless, basically be interviewed by Tarker and McDonald, and then field questions that were left in the in the Zoom comments. Um, and Tom, I, I personally thought that, that this was, was really well received by me and by a lot of Bath fans. I think that this is the kind of openness that we've been asking for. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think there was there was some negativity after, but I think there was ne- it was never going to be you know, a grand reveal about coaching secrets and game plan secrets and, you know, new signings and contract renewals because mm. they're just, they're just, they're just not going to do that. And they, they can't do that in a lot of cases. Um, the big question I have is what have you got over, um, <laughs> over whoever it is, Stuart Hooper or um, who was running the questions? Every single one of your questions seem to, um, seem to get almost an immediate answer. So I'm not sure what dirt you've got, you've got on the budget. <laughs> Of the secret hidden cameras around uh, <laughs> around mm-hmm. McDonald's house. Uh, I definitely appreciated um, the club asking my questions to the guys, and I think the question I asked first and foremost was was a question around the relationship between uh, just going in there, Tom, to some of the specifics of what we learned kind of on that night. I think there were quite a few interesting kind of nuggets, little bits of information that you can take out of there. And I think I asked the question about who kind of picks the team and what, how that relationship works between the DOR and Neil Hatley, the head coach. And Hooper was, was kind of pretty affirmative in saying that he has the final decision on any team selection and kind of any... Um, any team selection criticism should be directed his way. And obviously he fields uh, input and, and advice from his coaches and from his senior players. And even he mentioned from some of his younger players. But I think that was interesting, Tom, that, that he took responsibility for the um, selection of the team. But I think interestingly, Neil Hatley's opening comments were, I'm responsible for on-field performance, is the first thing he said. And so that kind of highlights to me the the, the just confusing relationship yeah, exactly. between between Hooper, who categorically said to, to, to me that he picks the team. And then Neil Hatley's first thing he said, so clearly he he um, planned on saying it was, I am responsible for on-field performance, Tom. I thought the relationship between those guys is becoming increasingly blurred and increasingly, I guess, interesting. Yeah, I agree. I, it, it seems completely at odds to, um, you know, the, the guy who deals with contracts and signings and the overall management of the club and isn't involved in coaching, isn't a qualified um, mm. coach, as we know, it seems slightly, um, you know, it seems slightly odd that um, that, 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 that Hooper picks the team. Um, and I, yeah, I, I just don't understand how that, um, how that, how that dynamic works at all. Um, I think one thing around picking the team that I thought was a, um, you know, a, a, one of the main takeaways for me was that, you know, he, he was clear that it's difficult sometimes to give an indication of real specifics on injuries and availability because of potentially competitive advantage it gives. Hmm. But one thing he committed to doing more of was being clear on why he has picked a certain team once it's picked. And for me, that that would be really interesting because sometimes we, you know, we're excited for the, the team to come out on a Friday or Thursday uh, midday and then we see it and we're like, why is, um, you know, why is, why is Preston still starting, for example, or... Um, you often ask, you know, why, why has Anthony Watson been picked on the wing? Why has Mercer been picked at six and Fallout Tower mm. eight? And it would be good to get some specifics on that because, you know, once the team's picked, you're not giving anything away after, you know, after the match. So um, that was that was that was good, I thought. And also a commitment to be as transparent as they could. So around stuff like injuries, um, you know, they he went through the list of mm. players, which was which I think is something we've been calling for, um, and also on on signings as well. So. Um, I think it was as was on as was kind of well documented on Twitter. McDonald confirmed as as we kind of knew that um, Watson, JJ, and, and Benno have all got another year. So it's kind of put some of those more um, left field rumours to to bed. So hmm. yeah, yeah, just on, on the, just on the the injuries, Tom. I think Hooper clearly was clear that he didn't want to give any niggles or short-term injury information away because he felt like that was giving a competitive advantage to the opposition. So whether you agree with that or not, you're not that's not going to change. So fine. But he did give us a, a kind of uh, update on some of the players who were longer-term 
uh, injuries and longer term rehab. So for people that weren't on the, the, the members evening, I'll just quickly go through that now. So Tom Ellis has had minor surgery and is probably two or three weeks away from being picked. Uh, Lewis Boyce had knee surgery. He's out till near the end of the season. Ross Batty has had neck surgery, also out till near the end of the season. Will Spencer, Charlie, I know you're a huge fan, has also had neck surgery, but not as long-term as Batty, so four to five weeks. They're the guys that he confirmed as having long-term injuries, Tom. So the other guys, we can only assume, have either got short-term niggles or are simply not yeah. being selected. And the big one for me is Max Green. Hmm. Well, I, I, and maybe that takes us on to, to some of the signing news, Gio, I don't know, but um, you know, we... We've we've been banging the drum for Max Green to get to get more game time. We know he suffered with injuries, but you know from that we can surely we can kind of assume that he's um, that he's available or at least has been available. So why he's mm. kind of not been involved? Um, yeah, I, I I I really I really I really don't understand because I think particularly with Will Chudley moving on to to Worcester at the end of the season, um, he's a guy that surely surely Hatley and Hooper. Um, need to be getting involved mm. yeah I, I think you know we've covered off a little bit there well you've mentioned Will Chudley leaving but I think Max Green's definitely one guy who would be in, we'd love to see more of Tom and I think these younger guys we, we definitely um, and these we, they spoke a lot about these guys coming from different areas uh, of, of different kind of pathways to the club and I think we'd love to see someone like Alex Gray who we saw a lot of they showed these clips of, of some of the attacking play they're running in training and Alex Gray was was featuring heavily in that so to so kind of get him involved and another guy who I think we can maybe anticipate on seeing um, maybe relatively soon hopefully very soon is Max Ajomo I think Neil Hatley Tom spoke in glowing terms uh, about Max Ajomo and kind of the development he's had over the last six to eight months uh, in his game and I think um, I think Max actually well has in the past and may listen to the podcast so I want to be uh, as kind as possible here and I think Neil Hatley was being as kind as possible when he um, said about Max Ajomo that he's changed his body so I think we can kind of infer from that that, that Max may have got himself in, in slightly better shape. Uh, and I think credit to Max for that, because I think a lot of us over this lockdown period, Change these the previous six months, <laughs> I've certainly changed our bodies, uh, but maybe not in the direction um, uh, that, that Max Ajoma has. So maybe um, we will see him. And I think, sorry, Tom, just before you come in, um, I think that the reason maybe we aren't seeing some of these younger guys yeah. is that Josh Bayliss spoke quite uh, heavily on the impact the A-League had on and Premiership Rugby Cup or Rugby Shield had on his development and how now that that's not there, they were thinking that that, that kind of had a, a, a real hindrance to, to some of these young guys coming in, Tom. And that's that's the point I was, exact point I was going to mm. make. So you throw in the, um, the Anglo-Welsh Cup as well, mm. um, which is kind of, you know, considered a bit of a pathway, um, kind of blooding the the new players. And it's a point we often make, why aren't we seeing Orlando Bailey when we're seeing Marcus Smith, Owen Lloyd and Jacob Umaga? And to be fair, it's a it's a fair response and something we hadn't really thought about that in the seasons when those guys came through, they could have a couple of games. Mm. I mean, A League and have a couple of games for um, you know in the in the um, you know the non Premiership, non European um, competition. So um, I think that's fair enough, and that's why, for example, you know Will Muir, um, it's all the more impressive that he's come in and mm. looked as sharp as he did because mm. he hasn't had that um, you know that gradual build up that that these guys generally need and that, you know, Rory McConaughey had as well. Yeah, but without going, sorry, Charlie, I know you're kind of taking um, a bit of a break from this and we don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole here, Tom, but I think this season's different to any other. We haven't got those competitions, but we do have a ring fence. And so kind of, isn't that... Uh, well, we don't yet, no. Well, we, it's not confirmed by Premier It's fine, assumed, but yeah, I mean, I'd still like to stay away from the bottom of the table, please. So would I, but I think there are still opportunities to to um, play uh, these younger guys. And just finally, I think from the uh, from the members' night, there was a little bit about the recruitment, what they were looking for. And whilst they obviously didn't want to go into specifics, Hatley spoke really strongly about wanting players with a nasty edge, kind of building this combative forward pack. And he wanted a tight head, obviously Christian Judge following Will Chudley to, to Worcester, a tight head with a nasty edge, and also a second row with a nasty edge. So... Um, yeah, a couple of signings maybe to look out for. I thought that was a bit of a slip, actually. I know you 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 didn't, but I thought um, he 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 kind of hinted like, given the players that we've got departing, we'll be looking for a tight head and a and a second row. So, you know, whether that means that 
Elliot Stuke is the next one to, to announce. We we don't know. I mean, we're short in that area anyway at the moment. So maybe it's just to, to add some bulk there. Do you know what I, you know, when I hear nasty edge, I hear South African. Mm. And I think it's, it's, it's a bit, of, it's a bit, I do, it's a bit, it's a policy that other clubs have followed successfully. And it's a policy that it seems that we have started to, Started well, to look towards with the signings. They 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 they, they said that they, they they said on the on the members' night they, that the players you traditionally get from English pathways are these quick, steppy, agile players like Roy McConaughey and Josh Bayless were the two examples they used because obviously they were the two guys that were were on the Zoom call. But they said that you don't get players with that that grunt and that physicality from English pathways. And whilst I don't know if that's necessarily true, if that's what they believe. And then guys like um, Jacko Kutsia and um, Detroit, the hooker, are going to bring that. I think that is definitely something that we can look out for. And he spoke highly about um, Jacko Kutsia, not just carrying, but also with a threat over the ball they, they mentioned. And, and, and the room for these South African players has, has been made. Um, obviously, want to be 50% homegrown, but they said that they were 90% currently English qualified player makeup of the squad, which kind of... Highest in the league. Yeah, which gave them the room for these South African guys. Yep. Cool. Sorry, Charlie, but I think that was kind of an important thing to to, to come on to. Um, I covered off there, Tom, the, the two outgoings at the... Um, at the... Can I just mention Chris and George quickly? Yeah. Because I think... I think... Um, well, a couple, of, a couple of quick things. So I think he... Um, I never think he's been given a fair crack. I, I, he, you know, I think it was decided from an early point that Will Stewart is, was the better... Um, the, the better operator and I think that's true but I think in that in that first season Stuart then played a lot of rugby and Judge didn't really get starts um, and I think that that may be at the expense of potentially some of the the maybe tiredness and you know the fact that Will Stewart's not quite been as powerful um, this season um, the other point on on his replacement um, and you know we kind of we kind of wish him well but the other point on his replacement is I think if you look at the at premiership squads which I have done recently, and you look, who would his replacement be within the Premiership, English tighthead? There's no one that really springs to mind as, you know, being a, an upgrade on, on Christian Judge. He's probably one of the, you know, top 25 or 30 tightheads in the, in the country. So, you know, that being said, I really, really do expect them to, to look outside the Premiership to bring someone in. But mm. um, yeah, that, that's all I'd say. Look for a bit of South African meteor. <laughs> there it is. The South African accent. Maybe we're going to get some more of that with more of these South African players um, coming over. Yeah, I, I think it might be that. Or, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, we'll wait and see with those ones, guys. And I think without wanting to drag this on too much, Charlie, if I give you an opportunity to come in with maybe uh, a, couple of, a couple of standouts from um, Bath, internationals playing on the weekend. Uh, I think one certainly springs to mind, one which which made England fans turn away from the telly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the man himself, the the, the, the second coming, Cameron <laughs> Redbart, he just looked, he looked phenomenal in that Scotland shirt, born to play international uh, rugby. I mean, well, I mean, hopefully not too much international rugby. We would like to, to see you uh, in a blue, black and white shirt more than a, a, a fully blue shirt, Cameron. Uh, but yeah, you know he he, he looked he looked phenomenal against England. Uh, great to see Ben Urbano get his uh, get his first cap. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's always it's always uh, great to see these boys uh, get internationalised when when they deserve it. But um, we didn't get to see much of Anthony Watson. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, there was uh, a couple of other uh, boys who were just uh, sat in the wings in in Charlie Yule's. You know, he didn't run out. But uh, how how we could have done with him? Uh, on Saturday but, yeah. yeah too too right too right the uh, the effect of that COVID bubble kind of hitting Bath really hard I thought there um, another thing unfortunately that's kind of hit a lot of Bath fans hard this week guys is the passing of uh, Dave Egerton the former Bath number eight I think we'd all show our age guys if we tried to um, give memories of, of Dave Egerton kind of a player which played a lot uh, prior to us even being born uh, in, on the web, on the Bath website, uh, they describe it as the golden era of the 80s and 90s, a formidable back rower who played at, at, at number eight. And I know at the age of, of just 59, a lot of Bath fans and a lot of guys that, that listen to this podcast grew up as our, being our age, watching this guy and are now kind of 
onto sort of Dave's age and, and it's really has struck a lot of people hard I know so um our condolences of course go to to his family to his friends and kind of all that enjoyed watching him play guys a reminder that um yeah the, these guys um these guys give their all for the club and, and we will remember them kind of throughout our throughout the rest of our lives as I think a lot of guys remember uh, the impact Dave Egerton had on that Bath team and on their enjoyment of rugby guys Let's move on, guys, to the um, the game on Friday night. So only two nights away, Tom. Two sleeps away. They talk about two sleeps till Christmas. Well, sorry, I'll bring you in, Charlie, actually. Sorry, Charlie. Two sleeps till Christmas. Well, we've got two sleeps to the sale game. Are you looking forward to the sale game as you would look forward to, to Christmas Day? Uh, not particularly, Gabriel. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, lots of people could look at it by uh, Bristol beat us by... 45 points uh they then go and beat bristol um by or how many points it was uh, uh 10 points or whatever so we're gonna lose by 55 aren't we <laughs> on friday evening um no it's uh they're, they're a big physical team which i suppose uh if we confront up to that and we can get some of uh, some of these these key players, Josh McInerney back fit, who I think were just suffering a niggle. Um, uh, then hopefully we can, yeah, we, we we can match them up front, you know, overpower them physically and try and open the game up a bit. Uh, but uh, I can't even yeah. understand the words you're saying. <laughs> uh, so I'm just, oh yeah, I, yeah. Are we going to be able to... A bit, a bit um, but look, we, sorry, we, we've been picked apart two weeks in a row by two teams that like to chuck the ball around, like to play wide, expansive rugby. And our our defence is, is, is just doesn't look up to that. I mean, if Sale are going to come at us head on, then potentially that... Uh, the, 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 yeah, potentially Bath had stand, stand more of a chance. There were some green shoots, as we've just mentioned, uh, towards the end of the game. If we can try to carry that across the next week, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold on to some hope that uh, we can potentially start turning the ship around. Yeah, I, I commend you, Charlie, because this is normally my my job to, to to spin it optimistic. But I do think, you know, unsurprisingly, so I do think you do have a point. But I think it all does hinge on the availability of our of our second rows. And you mentioned them only being niggles, Charlie, but unfortunately they are, I think, Stuke and McNally, both niggles to the head, which clearly has different procedures with it. So um, hopefully both of those guys, Tom, will be back. And then with those two in the second row and, and kind of Mike Williams then to come off the bench um, to add that that physical impact. And maybe Charlie, Charlie has a point that, that that could be an area which we can at least match sale and not, and not necessarily embarrassed and maybe get something from the game. I don't yeah, know. I, um, yeah. I just, just sorry, sorry, time to interrupt. I'm just going to say uh, the uh, back in alley. I think he might be back around this weekend. Uh, oh, I, is this our is this our spy? Uh, I, I think I've seen him jumping in a few lineouts around uh, Odd Down uh, Community Sports Ground, where all the Bath boys have been training uh, for the past two weeks. In fact. Um, yeah, they've. Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, there's potentially something to read into here. I mean, lots of people. It's probably not been publicised, but uh, the the all the Bath players have been training up on. There's a 3G pitch uh, in Odd Down, just uh, just to the south side of, of Bath, um, and uh, we can read into that as you will. I potentially think that is this a bit of tough loving. We we've not been putting together some some excellent performances. Uh, are they rather than letting the boys train in, in the luxury of Farley House? Uh, are we sending them off to Wad Down uh, in, in in the in the cold beastly wind uh, and frozen uh, temperatures uh, to you know say look if 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 you, if you want to train at Farley you're going to have to start winning? Or I mean there is potential that, that there's been some uh, some waterlogged pitches and uh, frozen uh, frozen pitches over the mm. past couple of weeks. It's been bitterly cold, but. Uh, it's it's the only time uh, that they've done this in 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 you know it's certainly in recent times. So mm. uh, you can read into that as you will. But I I I live around that area and uh, often take my dog for a walk. Uh, hey, you shouldn't reveal you shouldn't reveal your methods. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, I think, yeah, I've, 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 
I've seen seen the boys in in in, in some training, but uh, yeah, I I did see Josh McNally getting up in a few lineouts. So uh, uh, if he's fit enough to jump in the lineout, he might be fit enough to play against Sale. Yeah, we've buried it deep enough in the podcast that if anyone from Bath was listening, they'd have definitely turned off by now. So they're not going to be looking out for some weirdo with a dog and um, some binoculars. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Charlie has been every lunchtime been messaging us saying, get the boys back <laughs> down. Them. And yeah, I don't know. I was My initial reaction was, oh, something must be going on at Farley or at Waterlog Pitches. But if it was Waterlog or Frozen Pitches, they definitely have a 4G pitch at Farley. I know they do because I've been there. So maybe, maybe they are kind of giving them some tough love, Charlie. And and you've spoken and lots of people have spoken about maybe the need for that. So um, I don't know whether we bit do. Bit of rocky, or... bit of rocky, spit and sawdust. Yeah. Next thing they'll be, um, they'll be chopping wood and carrying it over their shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So take from that what you will, but back to the, the sale game, uh, Tom. Um, can you see any reasons to, to to be kind of optimistic here? You know, I think maybe our our season, not the one, our season, the trajectory of the club kind of peaked the last time we went to the AJ Bell. And ever since that day, has kind of been on a, a gradual decline to, to the, the depths of where we are now. Well, yeah, we had the, the Gloucester game, didn't we, which, which mm. came after. But I think, you know, I, I was going to say recent form at the AJ Bell has been, um, has been, spectacular <laughs> one from the past one um, but then I think previous to that we hadn't won in about six years so it's an extremely tough place to go and it always seems to fall on a Friday night um, which obviously shortens the training week further because you've got to drive all the way up to, to Salford um, I think Charlie's got a point to, to in some respects I think Bristol and Wasps um, really exposed what are some defensive frailties that clearly we're aware of the club's club is aware of and I think Sale's game plan is is very different. Their style, their style of play is very different, um, more physical, more confrontational. Um, you know, essentially, a, you know, the blueprint of a sort of South African club side, very hard nosed, um, and even more so, kind of under Alex Sanderson when they've kind of all bought into this um, to this um, almost cult mentality. And um, the defence against Bristol, I think, kind of. Um, kind of, you know, epitomise that. You know, well, well at Harlequins, that. Huh? Well, well at Harlequins, that mentality, at least. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, so, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm I, would, I would go as far as to say I'm not looking forward to to um, to Friday night. Um, it's, I think, going to be going to be a bit tough, and I think the I think the, having a bit more bulk back in the pack is is massive, as you say. And the other guy that we know is close to. To fitness, uh, who I think would be a, a huge addition in the in the back row would be Tom Ellis. Mm. Um, you know, it sounds like he's back in full training. So Charlie, when you next go on your when you you know go on your next reconnaissance mission, maybe you could see if if Tom Ellis is um, is looking to be um, out on the captain's run um, because I think he he's another guy that that you know will be chomping at the bit to get back and could really add add something to this team. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be, I think they were suggesting on the members evening that it was probably going to be two or three weeks, but needs must perhaps, Tom. And yeah, I think our, our only way of winning this is, is is if the weather really does turn and it does turn into a bit of a sloppy game and somehow we can kind of come up on the, the right side of that and our halfbacks and Spencer and hopefully Schumann against uh, De Klerk and, and McGinty, who are, who are kind of the heartbeat of their team as well, can come up on top in, in, in a dogged affair. Tom, I think this will be the, the third week in a row that one of us has at least hoped for a 9-3 victory. So, you know, the more we, the more we hope for it, the more we, uh, the maybe it may happen, Charlie. What's your score prediction for Friday night's trip to the AJ Bell? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. Look, I feel the game against Bristol was rock bottom. And once you hit rock bottom, the only way is up. So uh, we've moved through the seven stages of grief, Gabriel. Uh, acceptance was uh, was this week's agenda. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, can we can we turn around at the AJ Bell? I mean, the, the only positive is that there are no crowds that does make home advantage negligible. So um, look, I hope uh, I hope we can continue on what we what we saw in the last twenty minutes. Get Tian starting, you know, get the horse in, involved in, in in the match day fifteen, and uh, 
Uh, and yeah, let's see if uh, let's see if we can turn it around. Like, I'm, I, I sort of want to reserve judgment. It's going to be a draw. It's going to be a uh, six or <laughs> six or Tom. Um, uh, yeah, I just don't see it turning up. Well, I'm afraid. Um, the other thing I've got to mention is you know um, they're you know sell don't lose many, do they? I mean, only losing Tom Curry from their um, their equation. Factor Clerk still around. All these guys. So uh, I I I think it might be another grim grim evening. Unfortunately for for Bath Rugby fans. Uh, go sail by 15 points <laughs> they'll not be great minus two conditions um, up in Salford on Friday night so Tian Schumann welcome to, to English rugby mate go and uh, control that game in what is going to be pretty frigid conditions uh, and what's, what's to say he won't boys bath by three would be my prediction one final point, and I hope this is something we do not see on uh, on uh, on Friday night. Is another awkward shirt ceremony for any poor debutant oh, who, yeah. uh, who who is made. Look, uh, we've spoken. Look, I know this is right at the end of the podcast. I meant to bring it up a bit earlier, but we got sidetracked. We've spoken about Stuart Hooper. I will say it is look if. if I want some leadership from from the top. Who is giving this inspiration to our team? Those of you who haven't seen it, go onto the Bath Rugby Instagram feed, social media feed, wherever you're getting it, uh, and watch probably the most awkward shirt ceremony uh, you've ever seen. Uh, he's he's uh, trying to remember everyone's name, looking oh. at the backs of their shirts, and kind of awkward hand clapping. And it's uh, yeah, I know it's a few people have talked about it. But look, I, I want to see some inspiration from some coaches. Uh, and yeah, I hope that we don't see, uh, I hope there's no more debuts given on the weekend just so I don't have to see any more of those clips. But um, Such a big moment for those guys as well. They're yeah. so hard for. And it was, yeah, it was I just... I know. It's just awful. Anyway. It's, 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 like, it's like when we start this podcast, I think it's more um than any other word. Like, it's remarkably bad. It's so awkward. And you see some of these, like, England cricket do it the whole time when you get 50th or 100 caps and they're really, like, touching and talk about, you know, the, their journey to this point. And, yeah, the opposite of that, the complete opposite of that. So, definitely pretty cringeworthy stuff. Hopefully none of that on Friday night and hopefully a Bath win on Friday night, boys. But we will be back. Um, come thick or thin hopefully in our usual usual slot of recording on Monday evenings out on Tuesday mornings so uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we're now on Spotify I don't know if Tom's mentioned it it's taken him two years to do it but we're now on Spotify so if you listen to your podcast there then switch over to there or encourage your friends to listen if they listen to their podcasts on there loads of new loads of new listeners to the podcast at the moment so don't forget to follow us on socials at Bath Rugby plug. Check out the next podcast because we've done almost an hour, over an hour on Bath Rugby and we didn't even mention the name Danny Cipriani. So that's a tease. We'll talk about that on the next podcast and we'll talk about his former club, hopefully getting a loss uh, on Friday night again at the AJ Bell.